life, true life. Um, this week, like I mentioned, we're going to sit with John 15. And uh, prior to our Lord's arrest, this is when this, this was uttered. Now, it's important, just again, from the context, remember this. He has left Jesus and his disciples, sans Judas. Judas is gone. He's already on his way, having, the scripture says, picturesquely, leaving into the night. Uh, he made his way. But Jesus, after he was done in the upper room at the Last Supper, where they had the feet washing and the exchange and the celebration of the cup, and Jesus says, we, we, now we must go, John 14. Arise, let us go. He's moving into the darkness. He's moving into the storm. He's, he's going into um, what he can see is, is right there, and it, it, it is a choice that he makes to move into it. And the Bible says, at least in part, at least in part, that the part of his reason beyond the obedience to his father was because of you and me. And he loved us. Greater love has no man than a man lay down his life for his friends. And he says, I give my life for you. But here it is. He says, but no man takes my life. I lay it down. Now, now we either believe that or we don't. I do. And so as we listen to Jesus preparing his, his disciples, he says, come with me, let us go. The time is at hand. We're going to go pray. Now, he knows what that means. He's going to cross, he's going to come down through the streets of Jerusalem, cross the, the Valley of Kidron. He's going to make his way up a small hill that you could still walk to today, the garden in the Gethsemane, that olive grove. And that was where they were going. But along the way, between when they left the upper room and arrived in the garden, along the way, he pauses, it would seem, to teach this, this, this lesson one last time. There are many I am's of Jesus. I am the good shepherd. You know, I am the bread of heaven, the bread of life. I am. Uh, this is the last of his uttered I am's. I am the vine. The vine, which we shall see, was a part of the language that would have been very familiar to the disciples. You and I don't use it as much, although we live in near the wine country, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but the fact is that they really were immersed in with these, this imagery of the vine in a way that even goes beyond what you and I would be affected by. I mean, because you have to understand that the vine was like the national symbol of Israel. It was, it would be one of, the, someone, I was talking to someone who um, is, has a real, really learned in Old Testament history. And we were talking about the vine in the imagery and why Jesus used this metaphor. And he said to me, you know what? The vine was, an, was a symbol that, it, it, much like the eagle, is associated with the United States of America, the vine was associated with Israel. And he started talking to me, he said, you remember, and we, we, we were walking through some of the scriptures in, in the Older Testament, which was their Bible. In Isaiah, there is this amazing, uh, you know, chapter, uh, the Song of the Vineyard, it's called, and uh, it's the fifth chapter of Isaiah, so we're not going to go look at it, but it, this, this whole idea of God likening his people to a vine. There is also, uh, and I'll just throw a couple of things rapidly up for us to see what I'm talking about. In Psalm 80, 
one of the references that is made to Israel, it says, the Lord says, you have brought a vine out of Egypt, the prophet writes, and you have cast out the nations and planted it. This idea of the Lord planting Israel, uh, an enslaved people in the promised land, and he, he says, I've planted you like a vine, like a vineyard, right? Jeremiah, the one who known as the weeping prophet, he wept, by the way, because his people turned their back continually on the Lord, and he loved his people. And he said on one occasion to his backslidden people who had turned their back on God, he said, the Lord would say to you, yet I have planted you a noble vine. And I, a, you, I, something about this caught me, a seed of highest quality. How then have you turned before me? What has, put it, what has come over you that you would turn? And he says, and the word here is become a degenerate plant and an alien vine. In other words, I don't recognize you anymore. What turns your heart from me? What pulled you back? What made you something other than what I planted? I planted you a vine, a seed of highest quality. What, what has made you turn this way? Now, that, that was so the imagery of my, my point, larger point, is that the imagery of the vine, they always would associate with their people, their nation. In fact, um, Jesus will be walking past the temple, it would seem. Some people think that he actually paused and taught uh, this lesson near, near the temple. There's controversy around that. I would say the greater weight of evidence leans against it. However, we know that on, in Herod's temple, which was the temple that would be destroyed 70 years later by the Romans, you can see the rubble of it today, portions of it. Part of the wailing wall is still there. You can see the remnants, the foundations, the temple mount. That temple was in its height and glory in Jesus' day. He would have walked past, and they would have all been familiar with the, the holy place and the on the gate was a great golden vine that was meant to represent Israel connected to the presence of God. It was an image they were well aware of. So when Jesus says, I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser, the keeper of the vineyard, that's the, that's the point he's making. Look at verse 2. He goes on to say this, and every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. He takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Now, Jesus is saying in this verse, there are two kinds of branches. One branch, he says, is a, is a branch that grows out of the vine, but it, 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 in a sense, it is, is non-fruit bearing. And he says there's another kind of branch that grows out of the vine, and it, it is fruit bearing. And he says the fruit bearing branch will always be pruned back at t key times so that it might bring forth more fruit. Because he's saying the goal is fruitfulness. And so, and if you think about it from a personal standpoint, Christians historically, followers of Jesus, have always understood this idea of the Lord pruning things in our lives. And again, I'm, the, the presupposition there is that we are following the Lord and we have chosen to live in the vine. Connect. So the idea is that the Lord will at times use the pain of life, even use the adversity of life, and at times even more overtly he will try to get at things in our lives to prune us back so that there is a greater degree of openness towards him and a higher level of openness to the nourishment he wants to pour into us that would cause us to be a more fruitful branch. And fruit always is connected to the effect of our life and the effect that we have as well. 
the, the work of our life, the impact of our life, the aroma of our life, the fragrance of our life, the uh, capacity of other people to live out of the reality of God working in our life. It's the effect that we have relationally. Uh, it, it's where Christ shows up. I'm going to talk more about that. But the Lord will at times prune back uh, a, a branch that is fruit-bearing so that it can bring forth a higher degree of fruitfulness. You, you see what I'm saying? See the analogy? Now, the other thing, though, is that other branch that uh, doesn't bear fruit. And I was reading about this. And one of the things that came up here, because it says in the verse 2 that he, he cuts that branch away, right? He takes it away. Well, I was reading. Just listen to this. This, this is a, one person was talking about the vineyard and the vine and the branch that doesn't bear fruit. Just listen to this. It says, when Jesus drew his picture of the vine, he knew what he was talking about. The vine was grown all over Palestine. A young vine was not allowed to fruit for the first three years. Each year it was cut drastically back that it might develop and conserve its life and energy. When it is mature, it is pruned in December and January, and it bears two kinds of branches, one that is fruit-bearing and the other branch that is non-fruit-bearing. The non-fruit-bearing branches are drastically and mercilessly pruned back so that they will, will drain away none of the strength of the plant. The vine will never produce the crop of which it is capable without the drastic pruning, and Jesus knew that. So he's using this imagery. Now, here's the question. Here's how I would like to turn this towards our own heart. What, what branches in our own life are non-fruit-bearing right now that are draining away the life that is meant to go to the fruit-bearing place? You see, all of us have areas that there are things that are pulling. What caught me was the idea that there are certain things that were draining away the life that would cause the fruit to be less than what it could be on the other side. And so Jesus said, Any, because the goal is fruitfulness, there is the removing of the shrewd vine dresser of the branch that is pulling away life but producing nothing so that there will come a greater capacity for life. And then even on that side, there are times where the vine dresser will pull that back, but not to take it away, but that it might have a greater push of life in it. So everything about this is the flow of life. It's the flow of God's life into our life that will come out and affect the circles of our life, the, the relational places of our life, our own heart. This is what God, he's getting at. He's really digging in deeply to, the, to this point. And so this idea of are there areas in our lives that are pulling out the vitality are we allowing things to grow that are, if not completely taking us away from the Lord, are really diminishing our potential in God? And as a result, we are not living the kind of fruitful life that we have been created to be, nor that God desires for it to be. That there, are, there is blessing at an increased dimension that he wants to flow through us and all around us. There are people that he wants to affect with the goodness of God and the grace that we sang about, that that, that is not happening because there is, there is life flow that is being taken away into dead places. And the Lord might be saying at a time like this, when we think so much about what it means to go to the cross, are there not maybe places in our lives that the Lord has been dealing with us that this is, this is something that needs to be taken out so that there might come a fresh flow of life again in a whole new direction?
So thinking of it in that way, it really does impact us. And you know what? I, that brings me to a couple of observations. And here's one of them that I want to make. I want to suggest that true life, because he goes on to say this before I even get there. He says, look at this, verse 3 and 4. I jumped the gun. All right, 3 and 4. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Look at verse 4. So abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Think, listen, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Not in the kingdom of Jesus. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. So the first thing we need to know here is that true life, true spiritual success is always found in the vine. That, that it's living close to Christ. This is going to require an, in, an intentionality on our part because uh, we just don't naturally tend to the garden. Um, and a garden unattended doesn't tend to itself. It actually grows weeds. And we understand that. Room left uncleaned doesn't stay clean. We have to pay attention. There's an effort on our part that needs to be looked at. But the fact of the matter is, it is going to connect with, it needs to be something that we are connected with on a, on, listen, on a daily basis. This is not a once, it, okay, it cannot work once a week. It cannot. It doesn't work right. It is not designed to work that way. It's designed to be a daily engagement, a relational engagement. It's a choice we make about how we build our life. In other words, think about our Lord's Prayer. What did he say? You know, we often talk about the Lord's Prayer. It really is the disciples' prayer. They said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus says, well, when you pray, kind of pray like this. He says, our Father who is in heaven, you know, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? Give us this what? Day, our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who wound and sin against us. Right? Lead us not into the temptation places that would snare us down, but deliver us from the evil thing. Right? For yours is the kingdom, power, glory, forever. But this idea of the day, I didn't, you can't miss the dailiness. The accent is on the daily. Give us this, what, this day, um, our daily bread. This idea of, I need this on a day, a new day, a new time. That's why a lot of times the best time to draw near to the Lord is in the day, early part of our day, to give him it, some time there to engage relationally with us, to look at his word, to ask God to open up his word to us, to think about um, where we are going. Lord, I welcome you into my life. I welcome you in to this day. I welcome you in to this conversation. Uh, you know, like that prayer that I had I put in your handout. From Saint, on St. Patrick's breastplate, that Celtic prayer, this idea of Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ above me, Christ around me. Lord, be to my right, be to my left, Lord. Be on the words that I speak. Be, be even in the voice that I hear, Lord. Show up all around. I welcome you into my day. I am open for you. I am open for business. I am, I am, I am willing, Lord, use my life. Appointments planned, um, divine appointments unplanned, but I'm available for you, Lord. Bring people across my path. Help me not to be so self-focused that I miss the great adventure that is going on all around me, Lord. Even in my hurt, let me remember you have a plan and a purpose and a process that will surprise me if I am willing. There are things you can do. Lord, I am here. I am here today. I thank you for this day. I give you my life today. I want to be open to you today. Speak your words to me today. See? Today. Now, it's about the integrated life. 
not the disconnected one. It's about staying connected, staying connected. You know, it is impossible to miss it. I was, I was thinking one more thing about this. It's like abounding, the abounding life is always found in the abiding, always. We will not abound if we do not abide. It's, it, real life is found living close to Jesus. Again, I go back to this fact, this fact that we were, Jesus is walking with his disciples and he's saying to them basically, and we don't know all the details that, that surround the teaching, but remember, the disciples are with him. They're moving somewhere. It's Jesus stops. He says, listen to me. Don't forget this. I am the vine. You are the branches. You, basically, you cannot do this without me. You cannot. And I almost feel like he says, Peter, Peter, you are a tough man. You are a strong man. You have sworn that you will never deny me, but look at, listen to me. You do not even know yourself, truly. But listen, listen, you cannot do this. This is, we, you don't have it in you spiritually. You can do nothing without me. Don't you ever forget it. The strength in this spirit life is not in you. It is in me. And as long as you stay connected to me, you will have the flow of life. But on your own, it cannot, you cannot make it. Do you understand? Do all of you understand what I'm saying? That is what Jesus was getting at. He was trying to compel them to remember. And sure enough, there are times, listen, life is in him. He's the vine. But the choice to stay connected, that is, that is ours. He has the life, but we get to choose how connected we want to be. And we determine it by a lot of choices that we make. But I can tell you of a truth that he wants us to keep him on our mind a lot, always with him, that he wants us to bring him in, welcome him into our relationships, welcome him into our work, welcome him into our families and our marriages, welcome him into our hearts, welcome him into the, to the dark places, to the shameful places, to the ugly and the painful places. You're welcome in all of it, Lord. You're welcome. Every, you're welcome. Come. Come, Lord Jesus, come. You see, that's what he wants to do. But the key is staying connected. I look at this and I say, Lord, remind us that there are so many things. You know, there's a quotation on the bottom of the handout there from George Buttrick, who was a commentator and a writer. He said this, may it not be that the branch has got detached from the vine and hangs loose and limp with withering. You know what? Th that can happen in a Christian's life, in a follower of Jesus' life where we're barely hanging on, we haven't been paying attention, we're somewhat disconnected, we're limp, we're withering, we've been wounded, we're barely getting a little bit of, just a little bit of life flow, just connecting there. God can restore that. God, he can restore. The bruised reed, one of my favorite verses, the bruised reed, he will not despise. He will not toss it and say it's worthless. He'll bind it up. He'll he, he doesn't throw it out. The damage, your damaged goods, the smoking flax, he won't quench it, he says. Nah. He'll nurture it back to life. The, the branch that's bruised, no longer capable of being what it was meant to be, he moves it back. He doesn't, he doesn't leave it taut. He doesn't throw it away. It's an interesting dynamic here. What is he saying? He's saying, remember, remember even as Buttrick puts it out, he says this, he says, life is rushed and bustled and in the jostle of competing interests. And we have a lot of competing interests. We do. It's amazing how many things we can get ourselves into, but Jesus, as he said to Martha, 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 
you are busy about so many things, but one thing is useless. Basically, your sister Mary has chosen it just to sit with you. I want to have a relationship with you. It's not just about what you're doing. The doing is great, but if it's disconnected from the being, then you missed it. It was meant to be. But we always get busy, he says, and we are always twitching. Things are always twitching at our sleeve, attracting our attention. Spiritual things can easily get overlooked and lost. Seasons of devotion get crowded out. And we don't study God's word. We don't regularly sit with it. We don't make it a discipline in our life. But as, as C.S. Lewis says, faith, like any habit we have, must be fed. Last thing I'll say, this piece here. Not only is success dependent on our ability to live in the vine and stay connected, but look at this. The success of Christ's cause on this earth is dependent on the branches. You say, what are you talking about? Pastor, come on. We just said that Jesus said that if without me, you can do nothing. What I'm saying is God set it up this way. Because where is the fruit born? The fruit actually isn't born on the vine. It's born on the branches. The branches carry it. Now, the branches have nothing without their connection to the vine. But the Lord designed it. That, isn't that what he's saying? Is I stake my reputation on the people who claim to believe and love me. And the effect that I have in this world will be largely dependent upon the fruit that is born on the branches who are connected to me. And so that is where the fruit is born. So the question prevails. And I've heard this said that every life that is lived is an unspoken sermon, an unspoken message. Every life is. What is the message you are speaking to the people around you? What is our message? What is the sermon? What is our life sermon? What's showing up on a daily basis that would cause other people to be attracted to Jesus? Not perfection, but some degree of projection that allows for the reality of Christ to affect the circles of our life. What we say, how we live, the priorities of our life, the things that we listen to, build into, um, pursue, the passions, the joys, these are the things that ought, ought actually reflect more thoroughly what we truly believe. How are we using our life to be fruitful for God? Because remember this and I remember this, never, ever, ever, ever forget that the branches were born for fruitfulness. That's their purpose. That's the purpose. We were brought into a kingdom, not just to get to heaven, but to make a difference for God with the story of our life so that people who are dying might live and so that things that are being passed down that are destructive might end and new life and blessing might flow so that we carry the goodness of God into every dimension of our life. We become an effect for Jesus. What quality of fruit does he want to bear through your life that others may live out of it and gain strength? What is the message we are preaching? Mm. Lord, I thank you very much for 
your words and they are truth. They are life to me. They are, they are what we need, Lord. Many of us find ourselves at key junctures of our lives where we feel, uh, we feel very uh, overwhelmed. And yet, Lord, you are calling us to be strong and to grow. And I thank you, Lord, for every trial because in many ways it is an opportunity to lean into you. And I thank you, Lord, that your grace is enough. I thank you, Lord, that if we are willing, you are willing. All the life we need is in you. It's in you. And you want to get that life into us and then have it show up in a harvest, in a fruitfulness that truly testifies of the goodness and the grace of God in this real world that we're living in. May we get a vision for what we can be for you in small and in big ways in our life. But I suspect, Lord, it has to show up in the small things and not just the big dreams if it's really going to have the impact you wanted it to be. So help us to tend to the garden because the fruit is always on the limb. And I ask for your blessing. I pray that you will bless this church. Let us keep doing the things you want us to do to be a, a good voice for you, Lord. And I pray that you would bless also our time of giving as many of us have chosen to honor you faithfully in this matter. And I also ask, Lord, that as we close the service out with the final psalm, that something of the joy that is designed to come across in it would flow into us and just inspire us to want to pursue you, even as we've been challenged by your word to do so. Keep working in our lives, living God. It's real life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.